taking us on our risk journey part two, I believe. Fantastic, thank you. Um, good to be together, isn't it? Um, I, I'm the kind of person that always... Oh, that, that, that changed in format when it converted onto that machine. It didn't look like that when I sent it. Um, not to worry. Wow, that is a massive number two, so to speak. <laughs> Sorry, kids' work have gone, haven't they? That was a very kids' work kind of comment. Um, <laughs> sorry right. Lord pray you just bless us now and get us back in order so we hear you and get sensible Amen um, ok right <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm, that's, that could have just set me off for the whole sermon now being naughty right rein it in uh, just, just to let you know a little notice I've changed it. we've changed the, the format in here if you want to leave a prayer or a thanksgiving thing just tear off a sheet sign it and pin it on peg it on the board um, so a little bit more organised so we can see and read it so if you want a prayer if you want to give God thanks for something and to let us share that and know that that's the place to do that that would be great we can stand with you so last week we began our series or whenever it was I spoke a couple of weeks ago risk faith trusting God enough to take the risk becomes faith uh, that's the kind of exploration we're on, and we looked last week and discovered that uh, faith is safe risk when it's found in the Lord, when it's found in the Lord. Today we're going to discover it's all about what we worship. Amongst other things, it's about what we worship. We're going to see that fa- fear is a liar beaten when we risk faith. Fear is a liar beaten when we risk faith. Uh, last week we discovered that airline pilots don't carry parachutes, they're in it with us. And God's in it with us. And continuing that concept of flight, I'd just like to paint this picture for you. I just want you to imagine many, many years ago, a small boy and his dad out playing. And dad had spent many, many weeks, months even, building this beautiful model aeroplane. Son, let's go and fly it together. And they went out into the fields with this beautiful model aeroplane ready for its maiden flight, all full of excitement. The night before had been restless with anticipation. And early in the morning they went out into the fields on the moors and Dad took the plane and he wound it and got it ready. And he flew it and he soared through the air beautifully. And this little boy in his excitement ran towards it to bring it back to Daddy. And as he ran towards it, you can imagine the beautiful scene, can't you? His father and son... The joy and happiness, the sense of creativity, the in it togetherness. And as he arrived at the aeroplane and stood on it, I was that boy. That was my dad. I was about six or something. And you know when you're six and you've watched your dad build something like that and then you stand on it and you're in that, I really hope my dad loves me kind of place. And at the same time, you're devastated because you've stood on the thing that he spent all his time building for you. And in like 30 seconds, you've destroyed it. All those months, and the plane flew for like 30 seconds. And then you stood on it, and it's irreparable. I've never been the same. I know some of you had childhood, childhood traumas and things, but... my life it's deemed not necessary for counselling apparently but I think it should be see when you run as a kid with enthusiasm 
When you want to get hold of the big thing that's happening, when you want it all to happen again, you can make terrible, terrible mistakes. And that's what I did. My dad trusted me to fetch the aeroplane. He just assumed I'd stop running before I stood on it. The very thing he'd given me, the very thing he created for me, the thing he trusted me with. The thing that blessed him so much to see my face in anticipation as we set off. I kind of know my dad was looking at me, not at the airplane, when it flew for the first time. And then he was looking at the airplane and not at me when it landed and I stood on it. So, it was still my dad though at the other end. And you know what he did? He built another airplane. And he went out and flew it one day when I was at home. <laughs> Just to make sure it flew. And then we flew it again, together. So, it was a great feeling. I got to build one when I was older. I built an airplane when I was older. And I, put, I wanted to know what it was like. So I built this amazing airplane out of balsa wood and glue and paint. And it looked amazing. And it was big. That hurricane, remember it? It's big. And Julie loved having it on the dining table for like six months. And, and then it like stood on the, like on the, the top of the bookshelf for another six years. And it never got to fly. Why did it never get to fly? Because the effort I put into building that thing, why would I risk flying it? Why fly the thing that took so long to build? I know what happens with things. You stand on them. So don't fly it. Don't risk it. And it sat on the mantelpiece gathering dust. Get on the mantelpiece. It's too big for the mantelpiece. It's like this big. And it just got dirty and grotty. And then we moved house. And you know what happened when I unpacked the box when we moved house? They broken it. And it never got to fly. And the flipping thing got broken anyway. I'd looked after it and protected it. I'd learned it. I'd taught it to gather dust and to look pretty and to be of no practical use whatsoever. This thing designed to fly had lived in a box until it got broken. We, I, I was so, so afraid, so afraid of breaking it, it became useless and got broken. Church, there's a massive lesson in this for our life, for our walking with God, for all that God has given to us. We must not be the people that are so afraid to step out in all that God has given us that we let it gather dust and then it breaks anyway. That's this kind of journey I want to take us on this morning. Because faith is a liar and it will stop you doing things. It will, it will hold you back. It means you will not take risks of faith. It means you'll be fearful of standing on the plane. And because I was fearful of standing on the plane, that plane never flew. And if I am fearful of stepping out in God, I will never step out in God. And yet, I would rather have 30 seconds of that glorious flight and then I'm standing on it. But at least I've got 30 seconds of seeing it fly. Church, let's be the people who are prepared to fly. So I want to read you some verses to bring this to Scripture that are about this. I'm going to read um, a couple of sections of Scripture. Uh, one is when uh, Matthew 28, just as Jesus is about to give his last commission to the disciples to send them out into the world with good news. Um, and then he's taken up to heaven. So I just want to read that because there's a phrase in that I want us to get hold of and to identify with. And then I'm going to read as a story a little bit later, quite a short one about Jairus. A guy called Jairus, whose daughter was dying, and a lady that was really, really ill and bleeding, and her life was awful and de- desperate, and she reached out and touches uh, Jesus. And they're actually one story, but we tend to divide them into two, but it's one story. So let me read to you this scripture, and come with me. Uh, you'll find it in Matthew 28, if you want to read it all. It starts at verse 16. 
So Jesus has he's died on the cross, he's been resurrected to life, he's met with people, he's talked all sorts of things with the disciples, he's shown them things, they know something big is coming, they know the Holy Spirit's about to, to come, and that this is a big, big time, they're going to meet with him. And it says this, Meanwhile, the eleven disciples were on the way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in the way of life, marking them by baptizing them in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you, and I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Isn't that brilliant? Jesus has gathered these people. All sorts have happened to them. They've seen him die. They've seen him risen to life. They go and meet him on top of a mountain. And they're still thinking, oh, this is risky. I'm not sure about this. They're holding back. There's a little bit of reserve. Church, the truth is every one of us has a little bit of reserve. Every one of us holds back. Every one of us has little questions. I love going to Connect Group midweek. And I've been attending more regularly recently, which is a good thing. Um, if you don't do one, it's just—it's a good, good thing. Uh, and it's been great listening to people, have conversations about what God is saying and doing their lives, to a little bit of scripture, sharing life. And what is really wonderful is some people saying, well, I've kind of st- I'm, I'm kind of believing this, but I'm kind of edging forward. There's a little bit of holding back. There's a little bit of stepping, stepping forward, a little bit of growth. It's been great, Joel, hasn't it? It's been so good. Even Julie started coming with me. How good is that? But there's this wonderful journey of seeing people, oh, you know what, I kind of I tried it and it was all right. So I, I kind of learned a little bit more about Jesus and, and I kind of committed a bit and I'm trying to understand it and listen to people's conversations as they learn and grow and grasp it. And the thing is, God's all right with that. I just want you to know that God is all right with your journey. The Lord knows that you're on a learning curve, that, you, that you're an apprentice uh, Christians, that you're learning to do this, you're learning to be like him, and you're asking questions, and you're wrestling. And even these disciples who'd seen all sorts, who'd been part of miracles, they were holding back, they were trying to connect into this. They were, they were learning to fly. But they were afraid of the landing. So you're in good, good order. Jesus is saying you're not the kid that stands on the plane. He wants you to know that like these disciples, you're not the kid that stands on the plane, you're a kid that sees a plane fly. And that's what matters. The Lord wants us to be the kind of people that in faith take the chance to step out in him and see life in God fly. We've got to get beyond what could be and what might be and will I step on it. You know, we've got to get as far as flying first. And some of us need to fly today, and that's the good news that we carry. We get to say to our world, in Christ we can fly. In Christ we can do astonishing things. In Christ our lives can go to a whole new level. We can reach a whole new place. We can reach places beyond and live in a place beyond our normal expectation. We don't just bumble about on the ground down here. Scripture actually says we rise upon wings like eagles. that's the heart of scripture that's the heart of God for his people that to live a Christ life to live a life in God is so much more than just worrying about will I step on the plane can I pay the mortgage can I pay the rent will I get a job will I do these things all of those things matter 
But compared with flying in Christ, compared with rising up on those wings like eagles, compared with seeing who God is in our lives, wow, it's massive. And so let's have a look at when, when people understand what it is. So this is one story about two people, Jairus and his daughter, and a lady that reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. So it's these two people, Jairus and this lady. So it's two people learning to fly, stepping out, taking the risk and discovering that faith transforms everything when you commit it to Christ. So um, I've not got it up there, but if you want to turn to Luke chapter 8, you'd be welcome to do that if you've got Bibles with you. If not, just listen because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So it's okay to just listen, okay? Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says this. On his return, so Jesus has been out on his travels, preaching, teaching, talking, seeing lives transformed, you know, the kind of thing Jesus does, miracles and all those kind of things, just kind of day-to-day Jesus life. And on his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd. They were all expecting him. A man came up, Jairus by name. He was president of the meeting house, that's the head of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, was dying. Jesus went with him, making his way through the pushing, jostling crowd. Now, I want you to imagine when I say pushing, jostling crowd, you know when you're waiting to get into a football match, or it's bank holiday Monday at Meadow Hall, and, and it's that thing where you can't move, wherever he's pressing and bumping shoulders, and it, it's just, ugh. Yeah, just, just that. Thousands of people, and you don't know who's around you and what's happening. That's what's happening here. In the crowd that day, there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted by hemorrhages. She had spent every penny she had on doctors, but not one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the, head, the edge of Jesus' robe. That very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When no one stepped forward, Peter said, Master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. You just know at that point. Peter and the disciples, we've got crowds of people around. They're doing that kind of bodyguard thing, aren't they? You can just see they're doing that gathering around Jesus. So she's reached through and passed them and touched him. Someone touched me, Jesus insisted. I felt power discharging from me. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she'd been tumbled, really, she knelt before him. In front of all the people, she blurted out her story. When she touched him, uh, why she touched him and how that same moment she was healed. And Jesus said, daughter, you took a risk trusting me. And now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed. While they were still talking, someone from the leader's house, Jairus's house, came up and said, your daughter's dead. No need to bother the teacher now. No need to bring Jesus. Jesus overheard and said, don't be upset. Just trust me and everything will be all right. Going into the house... Everyone was crying and carrying on over her. And Jesus said, don't cry, she didn't die, she's sleeping. They laughed at him. They knew she was dead. Then Jesus gripped her hand and called, my dear child, get up. She got up. I want to explain, explore those two stories briefly. This story deals with reputations and pride. Jairus was a leader of the synagogue. He was an incredibly important man. The title he used for him when it says leader... The title used for him in the original Hebrew can mean prince. It, this guy's really important. This guy matters. He's got a reputation. He was probably a very godly man in part of the, the local synagogue, in a, in a significant synagogue in a significant town. But he had a desperate need. 
I just want you to know that he's a good man, he's a godly man. Bad things happen to good people. If you've ever been a Christian just doing life and thought, I'm a good person, why do bad things happen? Look, bad things sometimes happen to, to good people. We live in this fallen world, but we have an amazing God. And what I love is that Jesus fell at the feet of Jesus. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Fundamentally, this is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Everything he had and hoped for, he put to one side in the face of Jesus. Because all the people would have known he was an important man. He had a reputation. He was known. He was important. All that crowd would have known who he was. And here he is on his knees in front of Jesus. He's effectively worshipping. His life, his reputation has put on hold because he loved his daughter, but because he trusted what Jesus could do. Worship because nothing is held back. He holds nothing back, so it is an act of worship. He decides to fly just once, even though there's a high possibility he'll crash and burn. You know what? There's just a chance if I reach out to Jesus, something could change. So he reaches out to Jesus, and something changes. He decides to fly just once and not worry about the landing. His daughter will die. His plane won't fly unless he tries. See, Jairus was in a race against time. Leaving his child, his only daughter, was difficult because he knew that while he was away trying to fetch Jesus, his daughter might die and he may not be there. So he was putting everything on hold. The scripture actually says, you know, unless we put aside all the important things, even our managers, our families, it's got to be Jesus first. But when we put Jesus first, everything else is fulfilled. You know, sometimes we're worried that we're sacrificing things, but when we put it on all, it's my absolute eternal belief for eternity. When we put Jesus first, everything is fulfilled. It was a massive risk for him. He knew that it was a risk of faith, that it was time to fly. Um, but through this, his faith to fly gave another the opportunity to fly because he was prepared to put it out there and ask Jesus. Jesus went on a journey and the whole crowd of people went towards his house. And because they went towards his house, that put another woman in a position where she could do business with Jesus. Because he'd shown faith, it gave her the opportunity to have faith. Their paths may not have crossed had these circumstances happened. So a woman reached out. A woman reached out and touched him. Because to be a follower, to be a Christian and not see the work for God that God is doing all around you would be miserable. But to see his work around you is to be a follower of Jesus. And she had seen what Jesus could do. She had seen his response to Jairus. And so she was prepared to say, I can see what God can do. I'm up for this. I'm reaching out for this. And she reaches out because Jairus' faith had given her an opportunity. So she stepped out in faith too. That effectively was her act of worship. And of course, in a few moments' time, she falls at his feet on her knees. You see, when we see to open the opportunity for others, we know we can step out in faith. Your small act of faith. You know, sometimes we say, if you want to be prayed for for healing now, like this morning, or sometimes we'll say, come and stand at the front, or sometimes we'll say, go and share this with your friends. Here's the good news that God's doing. Talk about it, pray about it. You know, sometimes what we're doing is that very thing. We're seeing God at work all around us. And in seeing God at work all around us, being a follower of Jesus, we're giving other people an opportunity. We're giving other people an opportunity to engage with that truth. And sometimes all we have to do is to acknowledge 
So I loved it this morning when Julie just said, yeah, just put your hand up. And, and if you stood nearby, put your hand on her shoulder and just pray for somebody. Just pray for healing for that person. You know, those, those moments of faith when you raise your hand can put somebody else in a position of faith, give them an opportunity to respond to God. Let's never hold back. Let's always be prepared to fly. So if you have a need for healing, look, I can't guarantee that if we pray for you for healing, you're going to skip and dance out of this room completely healed. But what I do know is if we don't pray for you, you, you never will. See, if my plane never flew, it lived on a shelf, it was never going to fly. If you're ill and I never pray for you, I'm never going to see you healed. But if you are ill and we pray for you, what if? What if? What if God heals? What if that's the right moment in the Lord? What if that's the opportunity? What if you've got desperate need in your life or finance or a situation or some understanding or some reconciliation or forgiveness, but we put it on a shelf to gather dust? But what if? What if we say, Lord, would you step into this situation? What if it flies? What if God steps in? You know, what if it gives somebody else another opportunity? Just imagine. Just imagine when you're stepping out in faith, it gives another an opportunity to step out in faith. So this morning you raised your hand saying, I need prayer for healing. That gave somebody else an opportunity to step out and pray for your healing. And I believe absolutely that one day when we do those things, we will consistently, persistently see people healed. Because it's the word of God. And I really believe we've got to grow in that and trust God for that and believe him for that. But transformation of life. So for this lady, you know, back to this lady, I'm not going to go into cultural details, but this woman, because of her condition of, of hemorrhaging and bleeding, meant that she wasn't allowed to worship. She wasn't allowed to be with other people. She wasn't allowed to go to the synagogue. She wasn't allowed to go to the temple. She wasn't allowed to gather like we do. She was banned because of her health. So she wasn't allowed to worship. And yet the head of that synagogue, stepping out in faith, allowed her who was banned from the synagogue to engage in active worship to the Lord. Together they worshipped, and together they flew. Together in their faith, they saw transformation. Church, we've got to be the kind of people that are open to meet, to connect. Not to judge, not to push away, but to draw near. Because Jesus drew near. He drew near the high and the great, and he drew near the least and the lost. He drew them in worship, and he stepped out and broke things in their lives. Gave them opportunity in God. He blessed them. But Jesus breaks the power of sin and death and sickness and has all authority to knock down every division between us, between us and God our Father. So he breaks down the division between a woman banned from the synagogue and get this, the man who would have banned her from the synagogue. Just think on that for a moment. This is the man in charge of the synagogue and because of her illness she would be banned from attending it and the same Jesus brings them together. They worship the same Lord, and he brings healing and transformation into both life situations. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. You know, I don't know how God does these things, but he works miracles. We can't even do Brexit. But Jesus works miracles. Jesus brings together and unites the utterly, utterly separated. They cataclysmically put apart from each other. Jesus can draw that back together. How amazing is our God? He steps into our situation and lets us fly. The woman is made clean and well. She's not just healed, she's made whole. Her life begins again. And when it says, go, be blessed, you've been made whole, you know what he was doing at that moment? With Jairus stood there, 
It was effectively saying to all the crowds of people, we are reintroducing you back into the community, you are whole, you have, you, you have permission to go to the synagogue again, you have permission to gather, you have permission to worship. So he took a woman that had been rejected by Jairus, and he took her, she's healed, she's made whole, and he places her back in the presence of that God community. That's the nature of what was going off there. This is so much more than just healing. This is eternal stuff. This is spiritual stuff. This is, this is people's walk with God that he's repairing. This is a uniting that is, is doing something astonishing. See, she didn't just get to fly once for that moment to be made well. She gets to be healed and made whole for the rest of her life. She gets to be part of a community, a worshipping community again. Church, this gives me hope and prayer for prodigals, for lost, for people that have been defeated, for people that feel they can't do this anymore. This says to me that Jesus is still passionate about those people. Yeah. And he wants to draw them back. He wants to heal spiritual lives. He wants to make people whole again. That's the nature of our God. Back to Jairus and his daughter. We fixed the lady. Is that all right? So she's done. She's been out. She's now back in. Her life's fixed. She's sorted. Are we all right with her? Back to Jairus' daughter. This is what they said. Your daughter's died. No need to bother the teacher now. Jesus overheard them. He said, don't be upset. Just trust me. Everything will be all right. Going into the house. Everyone was crying and carrying over her. So Jesus goes into the house and he's saying, look, I know it's chaos. I know it's bonkers, all this. is people wailing and crying. Apparently she's dead. You know, sometimes our lives are filled with people wailing and crying. Sometimes there's just massive noise in our lives. Sometimes it's turmoil. Sometimes everything around us demonstrates we've been defeated. We've lost. We're too late. There's crying, there's wailing, and there's those brilliant friends who have been super encouraging who are saying to you, too late, you're dead. It's not uplifting, is it? They're not saying, oh, Jairus, mate, let me talk to you. Just want to let you know that we're with you in this. No, what the... Send Jesus away, we've done with that one, forget it, too late, mate, she's dead. Wow! But Jesus, but Jesus, cut through the noise, cut through the clamour, cut through the doubt, cut through the criticism, cut through the negativity, and he says, trust me. Church, I want to say to you this morning, whatever your life situation is, whatever the noise is, whatever the stuff in the way, I just want to say to you, Jesus says to you, let's cut through all this. Let's cut through all of that. Let's fly. This is the important stuff. Believe Jesus or believe the noise. We either believe Jesus or believe the noise. See, Jairus was in a position there where he's got two options. Good, capable people and friends and family have just said, your daughter's gone. But Jesus is saying, trust me. He's got a choice there. Who do I trust? Do I trust the noise or do I trust the Lord? We're all endlessly in that place. That's where we all live. Do I trust the noise of this world or do I trust the Lord? Our circumstances will bring us again and again back to that place. This is why it's called faith. No matter what you've experienced in God, he will continually bring us back to that place. Life brings us back to that place again and again where we say, is it Jesus or is it the noise? Jairus must appease the cries of the crowd or commit to Christ. And he commits to Christ. Because it's about what we worship. He had already begun to worship Christ. He had already fallen at his feet. See, what we choose to worship, what we choose to give our attention to, what we give our life to and our, our faith to, will determine what we are. It's about the table we sit at. It's about the table we sit at. And it determines... What we sit at, what we eat, what we consume determines the health of our life. 
The culture of our church needs to fly. We need to be kingdom culture people that feed kingdom culture. This is about the future we have with God. Our life language forms that future. What we put in, what we eat, the table we sit at changes everything. We can feed on that noise. We can feed that language on the table of Facebook or Instagram or daytime TV or trash novels or gossip or fear, or circumstances, or cynicism, or situations of our past, our present, or our disappointments. We can feed it on those things, or we can feed on Christ, who is the bread of life. When we sit at the wrong table, we do what we've always done, and we'll get what we've always got. And that is a messed up culture of noise. But we want to fall at the feet of Jesus, reaching out to touch him, and that gives us a new language. It gives us a wholeness. It puts us back in relationship and community. For Jairus, it restored life into his household. For the woman that reached out and touched him, it, it restored living into her life and community. It brought them together. See, without finding something to live for, people find something to live with. She had learned to live with her illness. He would have to learn to live without his daughter. But Jesus gives us something to live for. Yeah. Jesus gives us something to live for. I, I can't... You know, when I'm, I use phrases like that, um, I don't know if I've got that up there. Is that up there? Oh, yeah. Well, that's something to live for. To live for. People find something to live with. Jesus gives us something to live for. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I, I believe that Absolutely. Jesus gives us something to live for yeah. that is beyond our noise, that is beyond the situation, that is bigger still, that is more important still than all the noise, all the crying, all the doubting, all the things that we're told about life, all the things that we fear about the future, all the things about our circumstances, all could be things that people will say over us, all the people that say, send Jesus away, it's too late. Jesus gives us something to live for. We have a God of the unprecedented, not the predictable, of the new and not the old. We've got a God that says, see, I'm doing a new thing. That's the kingdom language, and with it we learn to fly. Can I have the band back up, please? I totally believe he's going to do what we haven't seen before. I totally believe Jesus can do what we haven't seen before in this town, in this church. He can cut through the noise. Imagine if we had a culture of risk, of faith... Trusting God enough to take the risk. Imagine if we live beyond safe. If our language forms our future in Christ, it's a kingdom language of worship. What if we say to the people that are crying and wailing and say, no, it's too late. What if we say, no, actually, I'm trusting Jesus. I am trusting Jesus. What if we're prepared to do that? What if the situation in your life, even today, where you're saying, you know what, I don't altogether understand all of this. I'm like one of those disciples at the beginning that's holding back a little bit because I haven't quite worked it all out yet, but somehow I know this Jesus thing is real. I've given my life to it, but I still can't quite totally wrestle with it all. It's too big for me. I'm still trying to understand it. What if we still step out in faith like Jairus, the woman did? She reached out. He reached out and knelt before God. She reached out and wound up kneeling before God and both of their lives were transformed. Their lives were brought together. And transformation happened. What if we were those kind of people that listened to that noise, listened to that voice and sound, rather than those that say, no, it can't be. No, it can't happen. Because here's my... This is it's not in the notes, but here's the thing I've worked out. 
For all the people that say, no, it can't be, it can't happen, it's not real, no, it won't be. And then all the people here that say, yeah, Jesus, yeah, it can be. Here's my experience. Life just works better when I'm stood here. It just works better when I'm stood here. And yet somehow the doubt has an enormous draw on my life. The noise catches my ear all the time. And yet the sound of Jesus is more beautiful. That has a greater appeal. That is my future. Church this morning, I'm just asking you to hear Jesus' voice. I'm just asking you to hear Jesus' voice. And if you don't know who Jesus is, if you're confused or a little bit fearful, if like those disciples we read about at the beginning, you just hold him back a little bit. If you're like the woman that just reaches out in secret to touch him, here's the deal. There is no secret in Christ. He knows that you've reached out to touch him. He knows. And then we begin to enter into a kingdom culture that affects our lives and gives us something to live for. When everything in life says you're defeated, when everything in your life is crying and the noise is saying you can't, listen to the voice of Jesus that says, yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, just trust me. Take a risk on me. Because trusting God enough to take the risk is actually an act of faith. And a hope and faith placed in Christ is not going to be wasted. You will fly. When everything in life says you're defeated, it's the moment to fly. Put yourself in that risk place today and you may just discover you are a carrier of faith. Trusting God enough to take the risk. Let's step out in faith. What could be in our lives? And so we're going we're to sing in a moment. And I'm just, we're not going to do anything over dramatic. I'm not even going to call people to front. We're going to do that secret thing like the woman did in this story, just to reach out gently and touch the hem of his garment because Jesus knows. Sometimes it's all right to do it that way. Although Jesus has a habit then of making it very public. Because she did it secretly. And it happened secretly. And then he went public on her. Jesus might go public on you at some point. But right now, let's reach out and touch them of Jesus' garment. And it might be that you're thinking about your family. It might be you're thinking about your finances. It might be you're thinking about your health. It might be you're thinking about those that have drifted away from God and can't sustain it. It might be that there's hurt or loss or misunderstanding. It might just simply be that I need to understand Jesus more. I need more to connect with this. I need a better revelation. Whatever the situation is this morning, as the band begin to sing, I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and we just wait on God. And we just put before him all of those things all of those fears that stop us flying. All those times we've stood on the aeroplane and thought it's all over. And know that, you know what, we can fly again. We can trust God with our lives. We can trust the Lord with our future. We're going to put that before him. So I'm going to pray, very short prayer. I'm going to ask us to stand with our heads bowed so that people feel they can respond. The band are going to sing. And as you're ready, just sing with them. But I encourage you to physically reach out. Because the one thing I do see in those two people, they physically responded to the Lord. One reached out and one knelt down. And actually then the woman knelt too. Sometimes we just have to reach out. Sometimes we have to physically, prophetically in a sense, act out the need of our heart. So I'm going to suggest that as we sing, maybe we... With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, so there's no embarrassment, we physically reach out. Some of us raise our hands in worship all the time. 
But when we physically do that, it says something. It says, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I'm yours. I'm reaching out to touch the hem of your garment. Do a miracle in my life. I don't even know if this will work, but do a miracle in my life. Bring some transformation. Bring some healing. Bring some wholeness. Put me back in that community. Begin to speak into the fears. Begin to speak into my circumstances. Lord, we pray now that you'd speak into our circumstances. Lord, we pray that you'd speak into our situations. Lord, we pray that you'd speak into our health. Lord, we pray that you'd speak into our finances. We pray that you'd speak over our fears and that you will break through in our lives. Lord, we pray that you will block our ears to the noise that says it can't be and you would open our hearts to you that says, yeah, it can. Yes, it can. In me, it can. Lord, every person in this room has a set of issues. Every person in this room has a set of challenges. Everybody in this room has a, has a set of dreams, of wishful thinkings, of vision, of hopes, of aspirations, of desires. Lord, we pray that you would step into those things now and give us clarity for our future. That you would give us a confidence. Lord, that we would be the kind of people that would take a risk and lay down reputation. The kind of people that would put down our history and reach out and touch the hem of your garment. Not defeated by our past, but encouraged by the possibility of what can be in you. Yeah. Lord, we want to be about our future, not our past. We want to sit at the right table. We want you to put a banquet in front of us so we can feast on everything you have for us in our lives. So bless us, we pray, as we reach out to you now. Would you touch lives in this room? Would you change circumstances? Would you give us stories to tell of reconciliation? Stories of physical healing, stories of provision, stories of joy replaced into hearts where doubt and fear and hurt are gone and joy is put back into us, where hope is placed in us. Lord, would you bless us, we pray now. Let's just stand together if we can, if you're physically able. As the band sing, just throw this song maybe once a little bit more, not much. Just give us a chance to reach out and touch the hem of Christ's garment and believe it will touch and change our circumstances. Lord be with you and bless you. Amen. You are here, one who is able when you speak. Mountains are moved, great in power, you can do all things, here in your presence we believe, you are strong, sovereign and mighty, faithful one. Never fail You remain Our hope and our freedom Here in your presence we believe Miracles happen in your name Jesus be glorified again now as we lift our hands in faith let miracles happen miracles happen
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you. Lord, we thank you that in your name the enemy is defeated in our lives. And Lord, we, we thank you that you heal us, you, you mend us, you put us together, you save us so that we can live life with you and life in abundance. Lord, we thank you. Amen. Um, if you are new to us this morning, you're very, very welcome. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to be over in the Connect Corner if you want to find out more about us. Uh, that's where you can go. Let's have some tea and coffee uh, and enjoy friendship and a little bit of fun maybe together. No evening live lounge, if I just remind everybody.